Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick and this is episode number 171 of the Mandolins and Beer podcast brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, which just released a brand new recording of Rodding Zinkel, who I'm going to be interviewing next week for the podcast and also a new episode of Danny Barnes and Dogs podcast as well. Be sure to check them out. It's also brought to you in part by Grace Design Preamps. I love mine, and there's a reason why you see some of the best acoustic players in the world out there plugging in to the silver or black box on the stage. If they have to plug in an acoustic, there's a good chance they're plugging into a Grace Design Preamp. Great stuff, so thank you so much to Grace Design. Hope everybody is doing all right. I feel crummy. Uh, sorry this is coming out so late. But I wanted to be sure to get it out there. Uh, this episode was a really cool one. This is with uh, Petri Hakala, and I want to thank Philip Webb, who actually reached out to me and uh, turned me on to him. I am not really familiar with a lot of the European players, uh, and this guy is uh, Petri is incredible. He now he doesn't have a website, but he sent me a huge list of links, which is going to be at mandolinsandbeer.com. I was going to put them in the description, but it's it's really, really long. There's YouTube videos, albums, uh, and some of the people that he mentions in the uh, podcast. I, I wasn't sure of the spelling, so he was kind enough to send me along a list of some of his influences of European players. So super nice guy, great, great player, couple albums definitely available on Bandcamp, highly recommended. So be sure to check him out. Also be sure to check out the Isaac Iker, Jason Anik webcast coming up February 25th. It's going to be incredible. If you don't follow either one of them on Instagram, I highly recommend you do that. They've been, they've been posting some really, really great stuff. So be sure to check that out. Also, again, welcome to my newest sponsor, Tone Slabs. Uh, Frank and his partner putting together some great, great Tone Slab picks, and uh, I've uh, used them. I uh, had six hours worth of gigs in the last two days and used the Tone Slabs the entire time, and man, they, they feel great. So Tone Slabs, be sure to check them out. Link in the description below. Let's also get to the other sponsors here real quick. Peghead Nation with Peghead Nation streaming video courses and mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. They have a great lineup of mandolin instructors. It's it's an incredible lineup. Let's uh, who we fooling? It's it's incredible. Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibish, Chad Manning, and Ian Curry. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. The best part is if you go to pegheadnation.com now, use the promo code MANDOLINBEER, that's all one word, all lowercase, at checkout, you get your first 30 days for free. So be sure to check them out. Thanks to Peghead Nation. Thank you to Northfield Mandolins. Let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Also, set up for their newsletter. They send out a newsletter. I believe it's every Friday. It's always filled with some really cool stuff. And they got some new merch. So, Oh, and thank you to everybody who's been buying all those uh, the Mandolin Supreme Style shirts. I really appreciate that. Uh, another batch of them going out at the beginning of the week. Pava Mandolins, Pava dedicated to building for the impassioned player. They're in Austin, Texas. Thank you so much to all the folks there at Pava and Ellis Mandolins. And Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments for the experienced to beginner player. Their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles. And did I say mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. 
They're in their 51st year of business. They're family owned and operated. They ship worldwide. You can visit them anytime at elderly.com. I highly recommend you just go visit them in person if you're in Michigan. It is well worth the trip. All right, and then don't forget at the end of this episode, another incredible practice tip from my buddy Wayne Fugate. So great and generous of Wayne to be sharing this information. So thank you so much to Wayne, and thank you all so much for listening. You guys have yourselves a fantastic weekend. I'm going to bed. Cheers, everybody. Well, now it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast from, from quite a ways away here right now, uh, Petri Hakala. Petri, how you doing? Good. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. And, and again, you are, uh, are you in Finland? Finland, yeah. Yeah. Close to, close to Helsinki, Järvenpää, Finland. Good. How's 2023 been for you so far? Uh, good. Uh, yeah. The thing that, that I probably did I mention that I also build build instruments. Yeah, that's on my list of things to uh, that's on my list of things yeah. to talk to you about for sure. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm what I've been doing doing so far, and we also we performed this uh, mandolin concerto once. There was a folk music cruise just recently. <laughs> oh no, kidding! So so yeah. This mandolin concerto album. First off, for for people listening, uh, one of my favorite things I was just telling telling you before we started recording is I get emails all the time from listeners who will you know ask, hey, have you by chance heard heard of this player or whatever? And and um, I'm definitely my you know uh, overseas uh, knowledge of players is not great at all. And um, somebody turned me on to you and told me about your your album, which is titled Trad. great i'm glad <laughs> yeah yeah and and then it led me to this this newer album that came out in 2022 which is called mandolin concerto and yeah. that album is a stunner Absolutely. Now, uh, on that, th- those songs. Looking at the uh, band camp, it appeared those songs were composed by by one person in particular. Uh, Timo Alakotila, yes, he's a guy who uh, uh, I've been lucky to work with him for a 
for a long time actually in several projects recordings and bands and 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 we actually uh, I, I was also I've been doing the teaching teaching at the Sibelius Academy folk music department starting like over 30 years ago and that's where I met him actually so he's he's still there I, I am I'm not doing that anymore but that's how we met yeah. well, I mean this album this is some high-level mandolin playing on this recording and in the tone is incredible and in the instrument is one that you built that's right yeah it is yeah so on an album like this because this is pretty complex music i mean this is i mean mandolin concerto i think kind of kind of gives you an idea right off the bat and you know it's it's got guitar it's got violin second violin viola cello and piano um yeah so when how long does it take for you when this when this project is presented how long mm -hmm. did you work on this before you guys actually sat down and and recorded well actually it was the piece was was premiered already quite a while ago maybe uh uh i think eight years ago already uh, and and at that point it it it's there's quite a bit of work to get it going but uh it's it's not you know it's a fusion piece anyway it's not a uh, although it's called a concerto but it's 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 a sort of a mixture of, of folk music and classical elements and also some like improvisation uh parts and and so it's not it's not totally written out so there's some some freedom and that for me that that makes it easier certainly <laughs> i i watched one of the video clips where you're working on the piece and, and, and you are sight reading some of it anyway or there you know music yeah. stands and so i wondered how much of it was was actual straight up composed and following sheets, you know, versus improvisation. Because there are parts of it where you listen to it and you're like, "Holy cow! How do you, <laughs> how do you sight read that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, it's about two thirds written out totally, and then there's like a there's a solo, solo parts in each or three parts. Going back to that time when he first presented you with this music like how long did it take for everything to come together? Because it just, it doesn't sound like, you know, like a typical, you know, like a bluegrass band might be able to get together in an afternoon and be like, Hey, we're going to play tonight. And here's, here's the tunes. This definitely uh, had to have required much more work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the string players are classical players. Uh, some of them are totally classical and, and, and some have also played folk music, but but they basically sight read anything. So, so it's for me maybe maybe I worked for a month or so, but before the concert when we started playing together, I think we rehearsed like three three days maybe. Same same for the for the recording really, it's recorded in in actually a couple of days. So we we rehearsed for three days and then recorded. I think two days. So that's 
And then, then of course, it's it's not a live recording, so we did some editing, of course. But 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 it's all the music is played together, anyway. And then you edit some pieces together, and so that's how it works. How do, how do they isolate the instruments in a setting like that? Are, are you in separate booths? Uh, the the string quartet is in the same room, and and guitar and mandolin are are in their own own booth booth so separated yeah but there's no no overdubbing so everything is played played basically live and then edited and just takes together so yeah for the editing do you guys record with a click no click no click no well, i highly encourage everybody to to check this album out and then also the album that i first that i first got to hear which was trad which is yeah. wow uh, it's I, I i'd love to it's it's finished fiddle tunes yeah yeah that's already or that, that came out quite a while ago so it's an old old recording uh, and and i just just um when i started putting stuff to bandcamp that's i just put it there yeah it looks like it was a t- 2007 initially yeah that's right and that that that's basically that's based on the on the teaching pretty much i uh, i've been doing at the at the academy so like like how can i explain it i mean my background is 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 not not finnish fiddle tunes it's it's i started uh with bluegrass mandolin and and also also irish irish stuff folk music how did you initially get get into that style of music uh you mean bluegrass or Mm -hmm. uh i think it was a radio program in late 70s already that got me and that was that was uh uh, about bluegrass guitar playing so that's how how I uh, discovered the music who were some of the bands that you were that you once you started like listening to became big influences for you uh, David Grisman Quintet's first album is the, is the one that blew my mind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, ju- I just looked at the record recently because at, th- at that time I was dating everything i bought so it's 1980 is the is the date like april 1980 i bought the record and i what i love about that record is how you just said that record blew your mind i think as long as people are listening to recorded music and pick up a mandolin that album is going to blow minds continually (laughs) every time somebody finds it for the first time yeah absolutely yeah was it was it tough getting music did you grow up in finland yeah so this is this is way before internet so yeah so so it's everything although there's there, there's some couple of good record stores in helsinki but you anyway you had to had to order order stuff if, if you if you want some particular record but that that record was 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 in the shop i just picked it up and 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 wondered what's this <laughs> 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 and uh, and the and the jd crow 
uh, rounder, the brown rounder LP was another one. Those were the two that I bought at the same time. The one with Tony Rice and, and Ricky Skaggs. And then there was some, uh, I can't remember which one, some seldom seen album that I had to order and, and then I had to wait wait maybe six months for it to arrive. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that tells, you, tells you how difficult it was. <laughs> So how long did it take you and how did you find like like-minded musicians at that point to to start performing bluegrass music? Well, there's you know bluegrass scene scene generally in Finland is very small still is but 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 um yeah. Well, at that time I I moved moved to Helsinki and there there was some some people there was a guy who who made the radio program that I first heard, Seppo Sillanpää, and he lived in Helsinki, and, and, and that's how it just started. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a guitar player originally, so I, I was also, and still still am, I also play guitar and, and mandolin. Yeah, so how did you find yourself like getting interested in the mandolin? Because uh, I would imagine also is finding records in in Finland. Finding a mandolin <laughs> might not be might not be as easy. Yeah, Japanese copy of the F five mm-hmm. was the first one. What, how long ago was that? When did you pick that up? Uh, quite soon after I heard the music, I I, I was playing guitar at that point when i when i discovered the music and then then added mandolin a little bit after that and now when you were working on the mandolin obviously because you can do some sight reading and and things like that but and and again this is i always find this so interesting pre-internet because learning from a record you know like you know i was just working on a song a little bit ago before we started talking and I just put it in a program and, you know, can loop sections, slow down and, and, and do things like that. But how are you learning these songs in, in advancing yourself at the mandolin, back, uh, you know, back then? Well, pretty much by ear. I actually, I, I, I never really studied music, so I'm basically self-taught. And, and when I was asked, you know, they need, needed a mandolin teacher at the academy in the late 80s and i was asked to de- teach there and actually i i i i think i like to say that i i learned sight reading <laughs> while doing the teaching at the, at the academy <laughs> well at the folk music department the the teaching happens mostly by ear but but anyway anyway it's it's uh when you try to try to uh, learn some technical things and 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 certain things the the music having music in front of you makes it easier to explain certain things but but uh yeah i still think i i'm not a like a good sight reader <laughs> I don't know. Watching that video, uh, you know, you seem to be paying pretty good attention. I'd have been lost ten seconds in. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's sort of complicated music, but <laughs> but it's not. It maybe it sounds more complicated than it is. 
I don't know. I don't know. I definitely, uh, I definitely have written it down on my list of some of the things to work on. The uh, the the third track, in particular. Yeah, G, uh, uh, G, uh, I think it's G major, uh, Mixolydian, Mixolydian. But there's, there's, uh, I haven't th even thought it that way that much. The key changes also at some point, or so, because there's these uh, different time signatures. So it, it goes to D also. It, your tone is excellent too. It doesn't change. You don't lose that tone playing at fast tempos. You know, some of those licks are quick, but every one of those notes cuts through and is really, really full sounding. And it's not slow. You know, how did you, what are some things that you did working on tone um, that you find really helped you? Mm. Well, well, it's it's the the technique is one one thing and also the instrument. One of the, one of the uh, main, main, interests or how I got into building mandolins is, is I was sort of searching for the certain way how the instrument reacts or how it it comes alive when you pluck the string and 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 like uh, the varnish finish instrument is a is is the varnish finish is, is one of the main main things that makes it happen um the certain open like a like a well basically that you know the gibson gibson lloyd lore sound like a bell clear like a bell like sound that that's what i'm after well you've you you, you found it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there's you know there's many Many varia variations to that, but anyway, uh, that was I. I have a, I had a very good mandolin, you know. I I, I still have a have a Gilchrist Model Five that I'm 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 I don't play it that much because I like to like to use my own instruments. But that's a, that's been an uh, incredible instrument to study. You know, did you buy your Gilchrist? Had it already been used, or did you order it right from Steve? I, I've actually, I've had, uh, I've been lucky to ha have two of them. The, uh, the first one I don't have anymore, but that that was when I. That, that that's that's the one I ordered directly from him. At the time, he was selling directly. This was like early early 90s and that, that that was a model 3 expressed expressed model engelman top that i used used for quite a few years and and then 
decided that I need to need to have a parallel braced one with the with the red red spruce or Adirondack top, and that's that's yeah that that's the one I still have because I find it the the dynamics and and the headroom that that instrument has is that suits my playing style better. I mean that the other one was incredibly instrument also, but but maybe for uh, the, the express is 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 uh, it. I, I find it hard to sorry find the right words. Sure, English, yeah, no but, problem. But it's but it's it's uh, it's it's just better. It has a less less headroom in a way. It's 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 it it's comes alive very easy. But then if you want to play really loud, there's a there's a limit to that. So so parallel pressing gives you more chance to use different volume levels or how do you say it? Sort of sort of this is not a very good explanation now, but I could I could do it better in Finnish, but, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> How did you discover the Gilchrist mandolin initially? Was it one? Was it something you had played? Somebody you know had played it? Yeah, this is uh, this is also. Uh, I had a Gibson F5L also before that, and I I didn't uh, up to the point it was was a good one, but then I needed something better, <laughs> <laughs> or or felt that I need needed something better. But this is also also pre pre internet because uh Adam Steffi was playing with Alison Kraus and they they were playing at the festival in Finland. And I after their set I I uh, wrote down the address of Steve Gilchrist. It was written on the back of his mandolin inside. So that's how that's how I he was playing Gilchrist F five and that's how I discovered it, and I and I wrote down the address, and then I wrote wrote, wrote to him and, and ordered one. And again, pre-internet, this is letters, yeah. <laughs> not emails. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> when did you decide to start building your own? How long ago was that? Like ten ten years ago. So I started. The first one was a kit from uh, Roger Siminov. Where you could, the, the thing was that you could choose the woods, uh, and I wanted to see uh, how Adirondack would work. The maple on that one wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't uh, I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't really what I what I thought it was. But anyway, and and that. It turned out to turn out to be pretty good instrument, so that's how it, how the <laughs> whole thing started. Now, when you buy a kit like that, is it basically you still have to do like some of the 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 carving in the in the with the plates and different things like that? Is that how that would would come? Uh, I did, yeah, but it, I guess you don't have to. But 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 it's there's there's quite a bit of work still because the the you know the neck uh, neck joint and all that how how you how you make that happen it's 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 
it's it's still pretty complicated to to make a dovetail although it's pre pre-made but it, you'll have to fit it fit it still and and but but basically all the parts were like made so in in theory you could just put it together but it doesn't really happen happen that way. <laughs> so, so. And, and then when you when you decided to to go out and be like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna do one from scratch now and order all the parts did it require a lot of tools when when you do yours or, you know did you have to get a bunch of things or did you kind of do it more uh i'm trying to think of you know, w- with less machines and more hand tools. Um, uh, I've been. You you need certain 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 tools, special tools. But I I've been just getting them uh, little by little. I I know a couple of luthiers that have have been helping me a lot, and I I, I still I even you know the Sibelius Academy has a has a like a workshop where where you can go and. And do do woodworking, so so I I go there and 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 several several other places. Yeah, what your your main mandolin right now? What what woods uh, did you use for this one? Uh, the one um, one on the recording is is actually not the not the last one. Is the I have another one uh, after that. So so it's uh, I still try to use. Adirondack when I can, and but maple is 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 uh, mostly European from Germany. But but I also also I've been using red maple, maple which is a which is a what what those lower most of the lower mandolins. It, it's either red maple or sugar maple, I think. How many have you built? I'm not sure. That's maybe fifteen mandolins. Wow. Wow, that's uh, maybe that's, that I mean maybe yeah, but ten years, you know, it's so <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe something between twenty and thirty instruments altogether. I've also built some guitars and 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 different uh, like a couple of octave mandolins, mandolas, uh, and I just finished the mandocello first one. That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're talking about um, the the specifics of wood and different things. Are are there strings and picks that you like to use? Just the uh, same that everybody else. I've tried everything. <laughs> blue chip, blue chip, uh, one point five millimeter is the. Uh, uh, what's I can't remember the number, but. Sixty is the number, I think. What what shape? Uh, the big one. Is it? You you are familiar with what was it? Is it Dutch? Uh, Wehen, the white white. Oh nylon. yeah, yeah, Wegen. Well, yeah, I probably say that incorrectly, but I think it's it, it's yeah, maybe that's what I said. Say also Wegen. So we might as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pro- pronounced differently, but anyway, that's the shape. Same shape, blue chip. I think, yeah. That's great. And then, uh, like strings, like Diodario. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just a, just a regular, 
uh, what is it? Uh, uh, 74 is the number there. Just the 4011 phosphor bronze strings. I, I've tried some also coded strings, uh, different kinds. Also, uh, Elixir is, the, is another one that I've used, used in the past sometimes. You couldn't really get them during the COVID because I think they closed down the factory or something. Yeah, and I think they're done making mandolin strings now too. I think they're just doing guitar strings. Yeah, which is, I, I definitely know a few people I've interviewed are super bummed who that was their favorite brands. They were, you know, on the hunt for like <laughs> trying to find, it's like now the holy grail to run across some in a music store, I'd imagine. Those are a little bit like a clearer, more, more trebly, trebly strings for me. So if you like that, it depends on the instrument always also. I mean, bright strings might make a, dark sounding instruments sound a little better. Going back to, to the musical styles now, you started out like doing bluegrass and, and, and Irish, but how did you then be, become um, so good at these Finnish fiddle tunes? I mean, they, they do kind of have a little bit, a couple of them do have a little bit of a, a bluegrassy sound, like a traditional fiddle tune sound. <laughs> In the eighties, we I was playing a lot of Irish music. We had a band with the uh, Irish singer here in Finland, and Irish that the the rhythm of of that uh, Irish fiddle music music there's some some kind of rhythmic connection that works works good in in also in Finnish. Finnish fiddle music, and and uh, gee, it's hard to explain. But 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 anyway, that's 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 the the rhythmic element, and and how do you when you play fiddle tunes, you wanna wanna. I mean, you can you can you can uh, you can try to make it sound like same uh, same uh, as playing playing it playing the tunes on the fiddle or you can just make it mandolin music but but uh, the uh, so that's that's one one like the idea to to uh, try to make it rhythmically rhythmically fit with the fiddle especially if you if you play it with the fiddle play, player was there a particular recording that that really got you inspired to start playing the Finnish, like the Finnish traditional tunes? Not really, but but you just hear hear the music all the time, time at the festival, and also also when when I try, started started the teaching thing. That's 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 only like what was that, that's maybe that that was like a one third of my repertoire Finnish. Finnish uh, 
traditional music, Irish, Irish fiddle music and, and bluegrass. Oh, the bluegrass is also, also, you know, there's so many, or, or old time music. There's so many different variations to that. So, and, and, and the teaching thing at the academy, I just, the idea was to present all the possible angles of playing mandolin, you know, and I mean, most of, most of the students there play, play Nordic, Finnish or Nordic folk music anyway, but, but, but to uh, help people find their own styles, I wanted to, you know, present as much stuff as possible. That's another album. When you say Nordic music, you have that album Nordic Route that, that you recorded as well that came out, it looks like, in 2020. been playing with with Marco Marco Lepista is the accordion player there's also another one that we did long ago actually with which it has uh, I mean Nordic root is all that's all original material there's the, the, the older one also has like half and half there's there's traditional tunes also and the name Pelimani and Yalila is is like a like a, that's also it's Hard to translate, but like, like on the trace of of the old fiddle players or something like that. Yeah, what's what's some uh, like kind of advice for like when students would come in? Because obviously they have some sort of musical experience before before they come in. But I would imagine like the first day that you that you're sitting down and you know kind of giving them your expectations for the course. Is there some advice that you gave them? Uh, kind of like blanket advice that would help all of them, no matter, you know, what they were, what level they might have been at or, you know, what they were maybe focusing on. Well, I always s sort of felt that uh, you mentioned tone earlier. I mean, to, to have a have a good tone and and a good timing those are the two, whatever you play, those are the main things to, to, to work on. And then the music comes out of that. But what I mean is, is, is it, 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 it always sounds better if you have a, have a good tone and good timing, whatever you play. But, but, but if you don't have, if you have a bad timing, it, it up to the point it never will sound. Uh, I mean, it, how do you say? It, it it sounds better if you have a good timing. So so working, I mean, the metronome is a good practice friend 
and and to practice it slow enough it's good to practice in tempo but but because then you work on the timing also but 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 a lot of people try to play too fast too early <laughs> i mean even in bluegrass bluegrass music generally or fiddle music irish fiddle music uh the first thought might be wow this is this is really fast <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> but, but 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 that's not it's it's that's not the tempo is 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 not very important for making good music i mean it doesn't have to be terribly fast no some players you can hear the same song played five different ways in a blazing rendition is impressive but sometimes hearing a a, a slower uh, and slower being a relative term. I mean, it's still pretty quick, but it doesn't lose anything. And sometimes even sounds better the feel of that tempo. And even if the, if the, if the tempo is really fast, you, you just, you don't have to play that many notes maybe to make it sound better. (laughs) 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 So it's, uh, but yeah, Outside of um, Steffi and Grisman, were there any other any other people's tone or playing styles that you really really admired? I I, I find your tone reminds me a bit of Mike Marshall's even. Well, Mike Marshall is is, is the one that I've always always admired. Oh wow! Well, there you go, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because you definitely sound you have very similar tone and feel to uh to to a lot of mike's playing who is just one of the i don't i don't like i don't try to sound like him but but i like his playing yeah (laughs) playing but but i've i've pretty much checked out all the all the all the players also you know to to again to present present different different kind of of playing styles to to students the students uh, Chris Thiele obviously is a is a huge, incredible player. Sambus also. Bill Monroe, of course. Mike Compton. <laughs> Are there some players out there of um, from from the from Europe that you like playing mandolin wise that maybe people might not be familiar with or I might not be familiar with? Well, the Swedish, you, you know. Uh, uh, octave, they call it a tenor mandola, but octave mandolin players like Ali Merler or or even Roger Talrot plays a plays a plays an octave mandolin. Mo- mostly guitar though, but and and uh, let's see. Are you familiar with Fr- French player Patrick Vailland? Valiant, how, how do you pronounce that? I, I am not. I'm not, but I'm going to, I will become so this afternoon. <laughs> uh, yeah, check that out. He's, he's, I haven't heard of, of him for a while, but he's, he's, he's one of my, my favorites.
so so yeah o obviously some some Irish players like Andy Irvine but that's also also like Octave Mandolina Busuki playing of course Magnus from Sweden you know he, yeah he's he was an exchange student at the academy also one one point. He came to Finland that long time ago, came to Finland. And Great player. You guys have a couple of videos out there together on, on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about too, your, uh, your right hand technique a little bit. It's very much a movement, almost like a dance uh, with the music. Well, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um. I just try not to anchor my wrist anyway. That's the, I guess the main, main idea. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, different, different ways to approach your light, uh, right hand. Some people anchor their wrist and some people sort of hide it so that you don't, you're not sure what's happening. And 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 some people, like maybe maybe someone like Andy Statman, play totally, totally freehand, freehand style. I can't explain it. I I mean I mean it. I could I could, I I could show certain certain things that I do, but I find it really uh, difficult to explain it. Sure, I'll put a link to the Just video. Of of you guys playing yeah. one of the songs from the concerto because I think that's a really good a really good example okay, yeah. Of, yeah, of how maybe. you approach yeah. it. There's also a couple of tunes in YouTube of of with, with Marco Lepiste, the two row accordion player. That you you might you might want to check check those out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, if there's any links, um, I'll shoot you a message, an email after this, just so I can get the spelling of a of a couple of the players you mentioned, so I get those proper and find them right, and then um, I'll yeah. I'll ask if you have any like particular YouTube links, and then I'll put them all in the description of the podcast, sure. so people can can find it all really with a you know while they're listening. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I've, I've I've got two more questions for you. We kind of we kind of talked about um, practicing and, and and tone and different things like that. One of the questions I do like to ask: If you only had ten minutes today to pick up your mandolin, what is something you would work on to 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 get better? Turn on the me metronome slow enough and and play something that you know already, and and sort of concentrate on the on the. I mean, you could you could just try to try to follow how you how you uh, when the pick touches the string how you how do you do that that's one thing I, is there an angle or are you hitting the string flat or perhaps there's an like a negative angle which i don't want to use myself but some people do do that and, and just again if you have a metronome there's so many ways that you can you can approach it do you, do you want to play before the beat or exactly at the beat or behind the beat? And maybe if you play something that you know pretty well, you might consider the combination of the left hand and the right hand. How does the sync work? I mean, that's also one of, one of the main things, left hand and right hand. If, if, the, if they are not in, excuse me for 
for my English now again, but but you know, together or in sync. Is that the right word now? Yep, yep, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's already already <laughs> too much for ten for ten minutes. But anyway, <laughs> something like that. No, that's great advice. And then the final question is: Do you have a favorite beer? I, I can't think of the brand now, but but I like all kinds of ales and IPA beers. So and there's there's too many of them nowadays at the, <laughs> at the supermarket. Actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, also Guinness. I like Guinness. Yeah, that's great. Although, to be perfectly honest, I maybe uh, I I'm more of a red wine guy nowadays so <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah well this has been such a pleasure to talk with you i really appreciate you uh scheduling this with me and and working with the time difference my pleasure yeah what's the best way for people to find you you have a lot of music on Bandcamp and the streaming services is there a website or or uh, social media or anything that you like to send people to i'm sorry i'm 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 terrible at, at social media, so I am as well. So, <laughs> I'm trying to get better this year. I guess you can contact me through the one of those Bandcamp pages. Perfect. Uh, and and also also email is one thing, but maybe maybe we don't want to put that. Yeah, we won't put that out there. If they if they want to find there, yeah. yeah, if somebody wants to reach out, there's 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 ways to get a hold of you. I can. I can help if somebody seriously wants to get a hold of you as opposed to putting your email out mm. on the internet. <laughs> I'll reach mm. out to you and give them their information. Yeah. Also if I if I there's I might might start the uh, the instrument building business a little bit more. Oh cool. Th- that might that might become a little bit more visible so in that case then you can contact me for easier easier but but nothing so nothing so far. <laughs> Thank you for doing this podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. This was fun. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to Petri for doing the podcast. Uh, reminder, just go to mandolinsandbeer.com and check out. There is a giant list of links that Petri sent to me, so you can check out some of the things he talked about and all his recordings and all that great stuff. And now let's get to that great tip from Wayne Fugate, everybody. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody. Hi, this is Wayne Fugate with another mandolins and beer practice tip. For this tip, I wanted to talk a bit about distributed or spaced practice and why it can be a surprisingly effective way to help you nail those tricky passages on the first try instead of the second, the fourth, or even the tenth try. So here's a hypothetical scenario for you. Let's say you've got a lesson tomorrow and you want to make the most out of your practice time today. Would it be most effective to practice in A, one two-hour session, B, two separate one-hour sessions, or C, four 30-minute sessions spread across the day? Well, we probably all have our individual preferences. Personally, I think I'd choose option B uh, because I have a hard time staying focused for two hours in a row. And I think that having to keep coming back to practice throughout the day might get to be a little annoying. I'd rather just get it out of the way in fewer chunks of time. But the more important question is, what would be the most effective in terms of long-term retention? Like, 
Which option would maximize our ability to retrieve things and get them to stick most effectively, not just for our lesson tomorrow, but for the week after that and beyond? Well, a 2004 study looked at something along these lines. In this study, a group of researchers took 90 participants, randomly assigned them to two different groups, and taught them how to putt a golf ball. One group was given 240 practice putts, all in one single practice session. The other group was given 240 practice putts too, but their practice was divided up into four separate 60 putt practice sessions over a period of four days. Then they were all tested one day, seven days, and 28 days after their last practice session to see how much of the practice stuck. As you probably guessed, the second group who had their practice broken up into multiple sessions, putted more accurately when tested the next day, as well as when they were tested a week later and when they were tested four weeks later too. So, which practice schedule did you choose? Going back to our original situation, you'd probably be best off with option C, four 30-minute sessions spread out over the day. The problem is, though, that spacing your practice out can kind of be annoying. It means having to struggle a bit to get back into the groove, and in a shorter session the time goes by so quickly that you might feel like it's not enough time to get as much done, which is why most folks would probably gravitate towards option A or option B. But part of the reason why spacing things out leads to better long-term retention is that the spaces allow our brains to do a little bit of forgetting, and that actually turns out to be a good thing. Every time you come back to what you were working on a few hours ago, it might be a bit of a struggle to get your fingers to land where they should or coordinate those string crossings again because you've lost some of the feel for it that you had near the end of the last practice session. But that effortful retrieval actually builds stronger connections in our brains. This is where the long-term retention happens. In layman's terms, the brain gets bored when you do the same thing over and over and over again, and it stops responding to the input that you're feeding it. When you take breaks, the brain can recover, and it will respond more after the break. So... Taking breaks equals more brain activation equals you remember more. So the big takeaway here is that by splitting things into multiple sessions and allowing time and space for forgetting, you give yourself more opportunities to practice getting it right the first time instead of playing it over and over and over again and getting better at playing it correctly on the second, the fifth, or the tenth time. So, how can you give space practice a try? This week, try picking out a passage that you can generally nail on the second or the third repetition, but that still remains kind of hit or miss on the first repetition. Then, you leave your instrument out where it's easily accessible, somewhere safe, of course, and a handful of times throughout the day, at least an hour or more apart as you pass your instrument, Play through the passage in your mind once or twice, and then pick up your instrument, play it for real, and see how it goes. As you get better at nailing the passage, increase the amount of space that you put between your attempts at playing it. 
though you wouldn't think so, longer breaks are actually better than shorter breaks. The idea here is to see if it starts getting easier to play it right the first time, and if you begin to feel more comfortable simply picking up your instrument without warming up and nailing it on your first attempt. As always, I'd love to get your feedback on this tip. If you have questions or comments, please drop me a note. My email is wayne at waynefugate.com. So that's it. Spaced or distributed practicing. Give it a try. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.